Our first reading this evening from Isaiah in the 50th chapter. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have, not, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading this evening from the epistle by James in the third chapter. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as you are able for the reading of the gospel in Mark's gospel in the ninth chapter. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. 
And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the gospel of our Lord. I invite you to be seated and invite our young, invite you to join your hearts together with mine as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us to bring us to this place, to hear of your word to sing praises to you, to receive of your gifts in the sacrament. We pray, Lord, that you work by your spirit. You quiet our hearts and minds, remove distractions from them, so that we would hear of you and of your love for us in Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a question I think we often wrestle with, more often than not in life. What would we do in a particular situation. Sometimes our mind goes down different paths. Like, what would you do if you won the lottery? More often than not, we have very pious, wonderful answers. I would put some in savings, and I would help out my family, and I'd give some to charity, go buy all the tacos and milkshakes I wanted, and maybe a car, and all of a sudden it starts kind of breaking down a little bit. But we won't really know unless we were in the midst of that situation. What would we do if our house caught on fire, right? What's the first thing you grab? Is it a flute or a guitar or a whole drum kit? Or is it a Bible or a picture book or a child? (laughs) Should have probably been earlier in the list. But we walk through these scenarios in our minds so often, we start to wonder, what would we do? What would we do if a loved one was sick? What would we do if a loved one got in a car accident? What would we do if a loved one died? What would we do if we were going to work and there's chaos? What would we do if you're going into some 90th to 100th floor of a building and planes fly into it? And guarantee you on 9-11, not a single person going into that building had any idea that it was going to end up the way it did. Or the firefighters who came off of 24 to 36 hour shifts only to be called in for another few. A lot of things that we don't really know how we would handle until we're in the midst of them, until we walk into the midst of some kind of chaos. And you've all been there. I'm sure you've walked into work one day and everybody is just waiting till you get there so they can find an answer from you about something. Or come home from a date and there's a babysitter with your kids and the babysitter meets you at the door and says, I'm never babysitting at this house again. And you're like, what did my children do? Did they set the house on fire? What? And so there's all these things that we walk into every day 
And some days, everything works out great. But there's other times where we really don't know how we would handle it until we're in the middle of it. And we wonder, what would I do in the middle of that chaos? In the gospel today, I think we'd like to think we were kind of like Jesus, right? Cool-headed and calm, walk into the middle of a situation, survey what's going on, and just kind of get a handle on things and be able to handle it. Remember, Jesus had just come down from the transfiguration. Jesus, Peter, James, and John, up on the mountain, the rest of the disciples down in the town, as the scribes had come in and the crowds had gathered around, and Jesus and everybody was up talking to Moses and Elijah, right? And he's teaching them and bringing them down the mountain and talking to them about what it all means. And as Peter, James, and John, and Jesus come into this setting, a whole crowd gathers around. They're looking for answers for him. There's chaos going on. And into the midst of that chaos, Jesus walks as calm as could be. So what are you arguing about? What's the discussion? Talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Doesn't get caught up in the urgency of it. Doesn't get caught up in the emergency of it. Just listen for a second. Dad comes over with a kid. A kid that's been possessed by a spirit his whole life, casting him into fire, casting him into water, trying to destroy him, throwing him down on the ground and making him convulse. And as the dad brings this child to Jesus, since he already tried to bring it to the disciples and the disciples couldn't do anything about it, even though they had already in other settings and had cast out demons and had healed people as Jesus had sent them out, this case, they couldn't handle. They couldn't do anything about it. So you can imagine the frustration of a father in the midst of this chaos as his son just had some hope with these guys that were there that had fixed others with a similar situation, and they couldn't do a thing. As this man's hope is waning, he brings his son over to Jesus, and the Spirit knows the presence of the Son of God. And this evil spirit in and amongst this kid throws him back down on the ground, convulsing, foaming, everything's going chaotic. And Jesus calmly how long has this been happening? Tell me your story. Talk to me. I don't think any of us would have reacted quite that same way. I think many of us would have been quite shocked and scared at the fact that this was going on. And as Jesus calmly talks with his dad, calmly listens as his dad tells the entire story of what's going on with this child, in the midst of this dad's chaos, Jesus stands there, resolute, certain of who he is as the Son of God, certain of who's in control of things, and certain of his love for everyone in the midst of that. And his dad, in his despair, says, if you can do anything. <laughs> so if they caught Jesus' ear. Mark tells us that as he writes, and he says, if you can. If? I think you hear something very honest from the dad. Something that most of us, if we were honest about it, it's probably more of how we would react. You're right. I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because I don't know what to do anymore, Jesus. I've tried everything. I've tried every route. I've tried to take him everywhere I could. I've tried to do everything I can in the midst of the chaos. It's out of my control. There's nothing that I can do. I do believe. 
but I'm wrestling with this. Help my unbelief in this darkness. Help my unbelief in this chaos. You can kind of imagine it this way. I mean, as troubles and struggles and things come in life, it's like a big spotlight shining into a dark room. And oftentimes, as we watch loved ones, as we watch church family, as we watch people walk through cancer, when we watch them walk through hardships in life, when we see everything falling down around and you see all the trials and struggles and you see them walk in with this light of hope still in their eyes and their heart full and you see how that little spotlight has focused in on a faith that is strong and vibrant and wonderful. And that's a gift, a pure gift and a blessing that not all of us have that strength of or that resolve to rest and trust in those promises. See, oftentimes, as those trials and struggles come along, it's a big light that shines in that same dark room and it finds a faith that's cowered up and weeping in a corner somewhere. Holding on to the last little bits of hope that were promised to it in baptism, holding on to one last little string of something, having tried everything and falling absolutely apart. I believe. Help my unbelief. As the dad's there and lays out this beautiful, honest prayer, Jesus heals this boy, takes care of him. Cast the demon out. Everybody thought the boy was dead. But Jesus lifts him up. And you can just imagine in those moments, lifting the boy up, restored to his father, and Jesus saying, look, into whatever chaos there is, I love you. I'm not letting go of you. Even if you feel like your faith is letting go of me, even if everything that has come in has broken things between us, and even though it feels like I am distant and far away and that there's no help whatsoever, I'm not letting go of you. I love you. And as we hear those words, we can look back on how much He has loved us, how much He was willing to die for us, how much He was willing to rise again for us so that we would be called family, so that we would be brought together and things would be made whole between us and God again, so that all things would be made right, and there would continue to be a hope to hold on to as God's promises remain true in the midst of the chaos. Nothing shakes them at all. You hear in John's gospel, as Jesus says, all those that the Father has given to me, I will not let go of. Nothing can take them out of my hand. And Paul echoes those same words, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor rulers, nothing in all of God's creation can take us out of God's love. Nothing can strip us from his hand. His love remains steadfast and sure in the midst of every chaos in the midst of every darkness, in the midst of every trial and trouble, God will not let go of you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would continue to build our strength each day by your Spirit. Build our faith each day by your Spirit. That when trials and struggles and troubles come along, Though they may try to take our eyes off of you, you would continue to focus us back on your love for us in your Son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the one you sent to make things right between us and you. 
We thank you, Lord, that you work each day within our lives, within our families, that you bring people around to speak of your love and your word into our ears so that we would hear of your forgiveness of our sins. Guide us and lead us each day in your grace and mercy, Lord, in all that you have given to us in Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.